everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. As always, I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we are joined by a man famously known as DeFi Dad. Uh, thanks for being here, Mr. Dad. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Hey, so let's go ahead and just start off with the name DeFi Dad. How did that name come about? And do you feel like you are everybody's dad in DeFi? It's funny because uh, a few years ago, I had the Twitter handle Crypto Parent. I think that's what it was at the time. And and then I the the name that I posted was was uh, Crypto Dad, and it was. It was around the time I was, I had been working at Consensus for a year or a few years. And then the summer of 2019 came and I, I had started to like really deep dive into uh, DeFi. Uh, I mean, what was to be called DeFi by, by everyone. Uh, and so I, um, I think it was December 2019 the total value locked had gone up to, I think like we were like approaching a billion. We, we, I don't think we had a billion until February, 2020, but I, uh, I, I mean, all of my attention had been on Ethereum. You know, I had been in Ethereum and in the crypto space since 2017. I kind of learned about it actually reading about crypto at night while I was putting my, my son was about one year old at the time. And so I was reading like, you know, the usual stuff, white papers and blog posts and listening to podcasts. And basically like I would go into his, his room, rock him to sleep, but then I would end up in there from like seven or eight o'clock at night until seemingly midnight. So the dad part of it, I like clearly had like checked off, but then, um, the, the DeFi obsession and, and which I, I think even at that time incorporated some interest in NFTs uh, that got solidified in 2019, just seeing everything that was being built. And then finally, like, uh, having the conviction that like, this is not a trend. This is, this is real. I am in something that is, I'm not only early, but like, th this is the killer application that we've been seeking for Ethereum for years. And, um, I, I am just lucky to be on the rocket ship. So, uh, so anyways, then I, I like, I uh, rebranded to, uh, to DeFi Dad. Yeah, I think DeFi Dad just flows a little bit better as well. And were you uh, reading those white papers to your son as a bedtime story? Because it sounds like a pretty good strategy because those could put a lot of people uh, to bed. Yeah, it was such a, like, during 2017, 2018, you know, being like super new to the community, and that had become like a talking point, you know, for, for newbies. If you really are into this stuff, you should read a white paper. It's funny now, like how much less I value a white paper um, as opposed to uh, being able to quickly explain and understand, like, what is the value of this protocol? How does it add radically new utility to like what we already have in the space? you know, the founders, how strong of a Web3 building background do they have? And then really just looking at, you know, communities and saying, is there a small a, a small or larger group of people here who like wholeheartedly 
believe in the mission and are going to be here in good times and in bad. And so that, yeah, I've, um, I've, I've definitely become like less interested in white papers, but I appreciate the technical detail that goes into them and outlining the protocol. Yeah, I understand that as well. It's like when I have people who start to ask me about Bitcoin and crypto, yeah, I would say back in 2017, 2018, I would direct them to the Bitcoin white paper. And that probably isn't the best way to get somebody onboarded into this new nascent uh, emerging industry that is crypto and DeFi. So when you have people who are new to the space coming to you, where do you direct them if not a white paper? Yeah, that's a good good question. Uh, and I, I don't think actually it's it hasn't changed too much over the last few years, but um, in a clearly a self-serving sort of way, I, I you know say go to defydead.com and check out my that that just redirects you to my YouTube channel because um, I, I I have found over the last few years there's there's been times where I've been making lots of tutorials and there there's times where I'm still probably making lots of tutorials, but less video and I have really gotten lots of feedback that the, the sort of excruciating detail I'll put into a video, uh, you know, explaining every step and talking about how much gas I'm using and so on. Um, I, I have, I've learned over time that like newcomers really, really appreciate that sort of detail. It, it helps them to like gain the confidence to, to do it themselves. Um, I think from, from a standpoint of simply understanding the point of all of this, like understanding the why, I still point people to Crypto Assets by Chris Berniski. I love it just because it's 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 a very like elementary sort of book that helps anyone start with zero background. And and um, I still think understanding the origins of like Bitcoin uh, does help to understand why Ethereum is so powerful and like what we're trying to build. Um, what I've been excited about, though, is I think more recently, when you look at the resources that the Defiant has put out, Bankless has put out, uh, the Daily Gway being probably a little more in the weeds, but like a nice like daily reminder, uh, pod, you know, podcast slash open discussions like this. This is where I, I, I think people really come up to speed. You have to just continually inundate yourself with uh, all these perspectives on why it is that we need this this new alternative peer-to-peer you know finance system and and then I, I guess that expands even more into like once you DeFi is easier I think to understand than what is like web 3 and helping people to like get the fact that this is the next generation of the internet that like, the old internet has was really like just really the way the internet works today is you, it's it's like you have a phone and you you communicate and you see what uh, a centralized server wants you to see. But what you're doing with Web three is you're basically building a computer that is truly permissionless and censorship resistant, and anybody can plug into it. And that's that's a pretty radical shift that. Um, becomes more obvious, I think, when you start to use DeFi applications, when you realize, hey, I can just use this automated 
uh, money software to be able to do all sorts of traditional uh, finance stuff, um, except it's easy. You know, there's no sign up, there's no KYC and so on. So anyways, I, I think to the TLDR and all of this is I, I love those different resources. I, I like the fact that if you like to read, I think the Defiant and Bankless are incredible resources. Um, and then if you're more of a video person, obviously to um, those, those other resources check off the boxes. But um, there's just so much content. Like that, that's one of the amazing reasons why we've grown so much over the last few years is I think in like back in 2018, there was like a recognition that there was a lack of content supporting the Ethereum community and, and what would be called like, I think the greater DeFi Web3 community. And now we are not lacking in that content. And um, I'm, I'm like proud to be a part of that, but I, I you know, I had tip to like just all the other like uh, awesome content creators in our space and educators, investors, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I'll, I agree with you. I think back in 2017, 2018, most of the educational content was around Bitcoin, as it as it should be. And now I feel like most of the content coming out is Ethereum related, which I think is great because there's so much diversity in the protocols that are being built on top of Ethereum. Yeah, I think it's a huge benefit to the ecosystem in general. But what kind of what's your background prior to getting into crypto and DeFi? Like, did you have a finance background? And also, what inspired you to become and take on this educational role in the Ethereum DeFi ecosystem? Yes. Yeah, so this hopefully, if anyone here is lacking the confidence to get into the space full time, my background at the time couldn't have felt less well suited to jump into the space. I had worked, I had worked in quite a few startups, uh, always in like a sales, marketing, operations, um, customer support type of position. So I, I really felt like at a loss, not being a developer. But I, um, I, I remember. I want to say it was still the fall of 2017 probably a few months after I had just bought a little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of Ether, I, uh, you know, I, I, I came to my wife and basically said, like, I know this sounds crazy because my, my job had been going actually very well at that point. I felt like I had really found a career path, probably as like a sales or marketing type. And I just was like, I have to pivot. Like, this is... This is like the most like fulfilling looking mission to be on. And I, I think that it has obviously huge financial upside in it. But if you're talking about something that can uh, have a transformational effect on countless lives, like I can't think of anything more, more um, remarkable than, than this, than, than this space. And so I basically started going to, meetups and I gotta say like I had a little you know my son was around one at the time so I, I it wasn't a great time for me to be leaving work and going to meetups um, but I went to at least a few which solidified e even more so that that hey 
I, I, this is a community of like-minded people. I want to be a part of this. And then from there, I just started hunting for like what companies potentially have a customer support role or a sales role or a role. And um, I got lucky. I went to an Ethereum event called Ethereal at the time. I had listened to Laura Shin's podcast. Um, it was part of what brought me up to speed. And, uh, you know, this is, I, I like share this because I think like there's a lesson in this about just going up and paying a compliment to people and, and letting them know that you appreciate the work that they do. I went up to Laura, basically said, thank you for your podcast. I, I feel like it's it's had like an immense impact on my life just in the last like few months. And she was so like generous and sort of taken aback by just the, the, the nice, kind like words that she, uh, she, she actually like offered to stay in touch and, and said like, you know, if, if you're trying to find a job in this space and she was the one, uh, she was, you know, blowing up with her podcast. I just kept trying to find a reason to work for free for her. Um, like I, I, uh, I, I wanted to like help her with the podcast or do whatever. And then coincidentally, she pointed me to consensus and, and said, I know of some opportunities there. Um, and so whatever the rest is history, I ended up like, uh, it took me three months of interviews, uh, it was a pretty sloppy process at the time, which is kind of notable in our space. Um, we're not the best at hiring in, in the crypto Web3 community, but I um, I literally like project managed my hiring process with them and, and like convinced consensus to bring me on board and ended up working there for two years in project management and marketing type roles across lots of projects. But the, the one that comes full circle is I found out there was an opportunity to work on the ethereal event and I just it was like a dream job to me at the time like I wanted to uncover and tell the stories that would inspire the next generation of of builders in this space and so this comes back to your original question then of like why did I like why do, why do I want to be like an educator in the space and you know there's a few dots that connect back to I actually was a chem PhD student a very long time ago, quit the program after about two years, but I did very well as a, uh, as, uh, in the teaching aspect of it. I wasn't very good at research, but I, uh, I really loved teaching and trying to give people confidence to continue onward in chemistry. So with Ethereum and crypto, I was like, here's another space with lots of buzzwords and complex mechanisms that really aren't that complex if you, you know, help the average person to like translate a lot of this language and, and meaning. And uh, uh, that there was like a high from it. I mean, I just I started to post on Twitter more consistently in the it was uh, summer of 2019. I was actually trying to recruit speakers for Ethereal you know, it was a pretty dark time for Ethereum at the time. Like, I mean, we had been through a major like capitulation event in crypto in December, 2018, where like we saw like, you know, like a 95% drawdown in Ethereum and ETH. And then uh, I think it was like 85% in Bitcoin. So as I was preparing to meet these founders, like 
Robert Leshner or Leighton at Pull Together, who was, you know, at the time kind of a just a random, random nobody, I'll, I'll say at the time, like who was building this really cool concept of a, of a lossless lottery. I ended up drawing upon some of my background in, in terms of just being really prepared for meetings and knowing that it means a lot to people if you actually did some research and like could appreciate what they're building. So I started trying these DeFi applications to, to basically be a better salesperson for recruiting them to speak at ethereal events. And one thing led to another as I like started to realize like, Hey, like no one's posting about this. These applications are actually really easy to use. I know how to demo software. This is this is another part of my background. So I, I think like the common thread in all of this is I I think it's important to understand like what are your 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 skill sets or like what what do you have an outlier to contribute in? And for me. I, the, the thing that I had learned over the last few years was I'm really good at demoing software. Like I, I know how to explain it, especially if I get someone one-on-one, which is sort of a challenge in this space because I'm clearly creating videos and writing posts that anybody could possibly read. But I, um, I, I took that and was like, hold on, if I start making tutorials and I show people this will inspire more people to use Ethereum and DeFi and, and other crypto applications. And I'm holding ETH. I'm happy with just getting some return in that way in the future. It, it never dawned on me like all of the skills that I would pick up along the way that anybody would pick up and all of the sort of like friendships and connections and information you start to gather. And like still to this day, I think no matter like what I work on, I keep coming back to just trying to make like more tutorials. It it is it's a it's a skill that brings more people organically into our space. It helps me to do research on new and interesting money Legos. It makes me kind of an expert, you know, at something that uh, I still think few people in the world understand and. I mean, whatever you can do, of course, to to make yourself valuable enough that people would want to hire you, like, you know, that that for me has been like a turning point in my career in this space is just realizing that like, all right, this is a skill set that everyone values or that certain people value. I should double and triple down on this. And um, no matter what I work on, don't forget the super skill set that I have in that. So you know, I don't think I'm ever going to be the one who presents the greatest analysis of a project and why you should invest in it. But I, I do, I can speak as a user um, to like whether or not I, I, I would use something and believe that others that fit my profile and users that I've interviewed, whether or not they're going to use it. And I, I think that is, um, that that's just been a, again, a bit of luck and a, and a, a, but it's also a combination of like quite a bit of hard work that I've put in. Yeah. I, that, that's a very inspiring story you just told there. And I've kind of been of the thought that it, it's not even necessarily that people don't understand how DeFi works. I think being in this space, you start to realize that 
a lot of people just typically don't understand how finance works in general. And I think providing education for DeFi and these DeFi applications inherently just provides education for finance in general, because you're also trying to compare these applications to the real world, right? Like Aave being a bank or Uniswap being an exchange. Do you feel the same way about that? Yeah, I think you have to meet people um, wherever they're coming from. And so, I mean, here, like another bit of, I think, luck in in my life is that um, I think I'm lucky that I never worked on Wall Street. I think I'm lucky that I didn't, I, I probably should have majored in economics and not chemistry, but for whatever reason at the time, I, I chose the path that I did. Um, and so I have, I have never forgotten the perspective uh, that I had coming into this space. And, and also, I guess, like being like, you know, a digital native using, you know, everything that I was using at the time in terms of software, it was like, okay, money and finance actually never really made as much sense to me, but software did. And, and, and I think software makes sense to anyone who's lucky enough to live in a country where it, anywhere you live, as long as you have access to like the internet, um, you're using software. So I, I have really tried to not forget that. And I probably still to this day have more in common. I mean, may, maybe again, like I, I'm like clearly like my, my own like thinking has graduated quite a bit, but I still feel like I have more in common with someone who's totally new to this space. Um, just because I, I don't think I've like forgotten my roots. Like my, you know, my, my parents still to this day have no idea what I do. They're, they're proud. Um, they understand now that it's like been working out that it's a, that it's been a great career path. But, uh, I mean, my, my parents, I'm not sure if they've ever used anything more than like a crappy savings account uh, and maybe maybe some crappy mutual fund product that's probably screwed them out of, you know, much better returns over the years. So I, I think that brings brings me back to there is there is definitely a a fire and a dissatisfaction, like a, a fire to do good things. But like a very uh, clear dissatisfaction with the legacy system, I would I would argue it, it's um, I I really want to burn the whole legacy system down. Like I I, I don't want to like mince words here. Like I I look forward to putting uh, Wall Street banks out of business. I look forward to watching them fail um, in the face of DeFi. Um, I look forward to many of the centralized companies like Facebook going down in flames as Web3 takes effect. Um, I, I think that like people-owned, community-owned protocols, that, that is the future. I think that DAOs are uh, the new LLC. And it's DAOs themselves solve a legacy problem of, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone's ever cried for all the young people that had a chance to work in Silicon Valley, but I I can at least speak to having worked there for a number of years. You know, most, most can tell a story of like wanting to join a rocket ship. And, and when you work on these early stage startups, you, you give up a lot, you know, you give up a lot of potential earnings because you, you expect 
a liquidity event in the future and that this company will survive, but most will walk away without having experienced that. When you work for a DAO, you've got a token right away that you can benefit from the upside, uh, which means that I I think that people are paid more fairly um, in our space, probably a little too much at times. Like we're we're all, I think, pretty lucky to, to be living through this bull market. So anyways, that's that's a tangent of just kind of going back to like there, there's some like greater inner alignment that really is driving me. And I would argue that in order to work in this space, you have to like wholeheartedly want this more than anything. And I, I um, like I said, it's it's I think it's more from a positive standpoint of like I, I see the transformation it's had on my life and others and that it can have on on that many more people who, you know, truly are bankless and uh, do not have uh, an option to use the traditional finance system. But I think it helps to um, to know firsthand how broken that system is. Um, and and, I, and I, I say that too with the caveat of I, I actually consider myself still lucky that like, I think like, not having grown up in a place with like awful inflation, like truly like, you know, terrible like triple digit or two two digit inflation um but nonetheless i've never seen the finance system work the traditional finance system work for me and my family until i made enough money basically i was like oh now you want to help me because i've made x amount of money got it so you 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 didn't want to help when when we really needed it but now you want to help me and you want to take a hefty fee to do that, well, fuck you. We're gonna we're we're gonna displace everything that that you built and and taken from others, and we're gonna we're gonna automate all of this with software, and that that's what I think Web three is about. Wow. Well, I love the passion, and I can tell it's definitely something you've spent a lot of time thinking about. And I think it's good that you have this passion, especially as an educator. It means that you mean what you're saying, and means what you're you mean what you're teaching these people or just all the users in general. But when you explain Bitcoin and Ethereum and DeFi to someone is, that is completely new, like how do you do that to them in a way they'll understand? Like, can you just give us like a little, like a snippet of how you explain Bitcoin and Ethereum and DeFi to people, like the, the explain like I'm five type of format? Yeah, yeah. I, um, well, I would definitely do the opposite of what I'm doing right now. Right, talking yes. a lot. I, I normally ask lots of questions like, uh, you know, what, what's your background in terms of finance or money? Like what, you know, and, and if, if they were to say, uh, you know, let's like talk about like my, my parents are a good example. They're in their 60s. Uh, they are somewhat computer savvy, but I mean, still technologically averse and you know, like, again, they've had really simple sorts of access to, like, uh, a banking account. So, you know, I, I asked them, like, have you ever thought about, like, why why does gold have value? You know, and, and um, it normally leads back to quite a, I would say the majority of people in the, in the world don't really even understand, like, why is the value of a stock what it is? They don't really understand, like, how that market works and that there is this agreement you know, between buyers and sellers, essentially, and that, that, that that's wherever the price lands. I think they also tend to underestimate the 
upside that is missed on being able to buy into an investment early on. Um, so I, going back to your question then, with Bitcoin, I, I really do love the digital gold narrative. I think it's part of the reason Bitcoin has grown so much over the years. There's a lot of like reasons we could shout down like why Bitcoin is, um, I believe, not, a, not as um, great of an investment at the moment as like what ETH is. But, you know, if you look at the, the returns over the years, I mean, it is remarkable comparing it with traditional finance. And so I, I really just try, try to help, uh, I would say, the average person to understand, like, this is a, a digital currency that is actually scarce. And the way that works is everyone agrees that it's scarce. And there is, there's a system that... Um, there's a system that incentivizes everybody to work together. And that, that system, at least in Bitcoin, is, you know, you have those that are running software. So I, I try to avoid language like mining. I think it, like, turns people off because they're like, you know, they're like, what do you mean mining? Like, like miners in a, in, a, in, a, in a gold mine or something. But I'm like, there's the people running the software. Uh, and then there's people who actually wrote the software, which at this point, rarely changes. And that's actually a part of the reason people have so much faith in the system. And then with Bitcoin, it's predictable. You know what the supply is, even though I I, I don't go down the rabbit hole of what we do in, in this community of like, well, that's debatable. It's probably going to change in the future. Uh, and um, yeah, I think Bitcoin in a nutshell then starts to like make some sense. Actually, one, one term I like to use is it's kind of like email for your money. Now, I don't think of Bitcoin necessarily as money that I would personally want to use. Um, I tend to think of it, again, still as digital gold. But when you explain to someone that, like, have you ever thought about the challenges you have with, with the banks that you use or, or any of the finance tools that you use? Um, people get tricked by fintech, you know, where they'll say, oh, why well, use in the United States, I use Venmo. I can just send money. And you're like, right, you get the appearance of that you can send money. But the truth is, is your bank is settling, you know, transactions with another bank in the background. And the truth is, and many, many people have experienced this, you can have, you know, like a chargeback or a failed transaction. And that's when it sets in that, like, you're not in control or that, like, you go to a bank and you need to withdraw money to pay some large sum to, let, let's say you did some house improvement, you had a, like a contractor, um, you'll struggle to pull much more than a few thousand dollars. Most banks make it very difficult at this point to do that um, without using something like a check or some sort of electronic transfer where you have to pay fees. And so yeah, all these friction points for those, I would say, in more privileged countries start to help them to understand, okay, so the way that my money works today, the way that finance works today, it actually looks a lot like the, the uh, I would say, the U.S. Postal Service. It's slow, it's clunky, but it still does work. Um, but it's not fast, it's not cheap, and it's not easy. Um, and that that is what you know, what we're building with, with crypto, Bitcoin being digital gold, but then Ethereum basically expanding on every other use case, including digital gold with ETH. 
Um, and so that, that to me, that's, that's the exciting opportunity with Ethereum is I, I try to explain it as it is like a platform that you can build money applications on. That's it. Um, it, it also is uh, like, if, I like the term settlement layer, uh, which is what I, I think essentially Bitcoin is as well. But with, uh, with Ethereum, you can just, it's like a supercomputer that is going to allow us to, you know, to build all these money applications and other applications unrelated to money, but that depend on the ability to prove that you own something and know that it is digitally scarce. Um, so anyways, that was another long-winded answer to a no, it's okay. question. It's okay. We like those. We like those here. But yeah, kind of on the topic of adoption, you know, I feel like I've been a little hesitant lately to try to get my friends into DeFi because of the high gas costs. And, yeah, you know, I've got friends where I say, oh, it's okay, you know, just move your stuff from Coinbase to Ethereum and then go over the Polygon bridge and then there's low gas fees over there. And it's just, it feels like too many steps. And I guess my question here is, where do you see or what role do you see layer twos and side chains playing in adoption? And I guess what kind of layer twos and side chains do you focus on more and which ones do you like the most? All right. So um, one of the issues that has become very obvious is uh, there are lots of different bridges and lots of different routes to take between L2s um, and other chains, especially EVM compatible chains and non EVM compatible chains. So, like, just to, for some context, I actively farm uh, mostly on Ethereum, but I currently have money on um, Terra, Avalanche, Polygon, nothing on Phantom, but I've used Phantom, uh, not, nothing on BSC. BSC is actually the only one I've been like really resistant to even uh, play with as much because of uh, just the, uh, the 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 fact that it is it is openly uh, more centralized and I don't think the community actually shies away from that. And uh, I've tried Solana, so and, and I actually I have some money on Solana. So um, I I have experienced this firsthand. There are you know there are times that I've moved money across a bridge and discovered like actually I give a really example on this I've moved money using the zapper bridge which is using the uh whatever the standard polygon matic bridge is so I I wanted to put some money into Ave and I I transferred some weath I thought looking at at polygon at the time oh Ave uses this I see the weath symbol Clearly, I should move wrapped Ether on Ethereum over to Polygon. And I found out that actually you need to move Ether, just you know, plain old Ether, and that will bridge, and then you will get what's, I think, called ETH Proof of Stake POS. It's like abbreviated, but it, it is, um, it is uh, represented also as WEATH. And, and so long story short, I've moved money across, realized, oh, Jesus Christ, like I don't have the right token. Now I got to send it back. It, t- it takes sometimes up to three hours to do that withdrawal through the Polygon Bridge at the time. And, uh, you know, it's just overall like a pretty awful experience. 
that is something that for me, I was able to at least navigate it. I think that that scares new users away. And so there's, there's a number of solutions that are helping us to more easily move money um, between L2s like Arbitrum and Optimism, and then what I would refer to as a side chain or other network like uh, Polygon, Avalanche, and so on. Um, so if, if I, uh, in the future, in the very near future, there's a number of bridge aggregators. They're similar to like one inch, but for finding the cheapest, fastest, best route for you to move money. And so this, the, the fact that um, if you're uh, using farms on, let's say, Avalanche, Polygon, and uh, Arbitrum and Ethereum L1, you'll no longer have to know these different routes to move money. You'll just be able to use probably something like one inch or Zapper Bridge, and they'll have basically an all-in-one solution to, to lead you, you know, to the promised land. Um, so there's, that's one. So bridge aggregators. Another thing is just having more reliable bridges uh, that go into that aggregator. I think the most impressive bridge, um, and by the way, too, I want to just close here. If I ever have an investment, um, all of these teams I do not have investments in, or I, I don't hold a token, or I didn't participate in any, any of these rounds. So just if I ever talk about something that I do have money in, I'll be sure to disclose that. Um, but uh, Hop is another team. I just I love what they've built. They make it possible to almost instantly withdraw your money from networks like let's say Polygon uh, or uh, uh, Ethereum L2s like Arbitrum and Optimism. Um, Optimism normally takes seven days if you use their bridge. They have this thing called a challenge period. If you use Arbitrum, I think it takes about an hour. And uh, like I said, with Polygon, it, I, I think it takes about up to three hours. And so Hop has solved that problem by creating a bridge uh, and allowing folks to pay a fee uh, to those that are LPs on this bridge. And so it's just it's just awesome. You know, it's like exactly what we needed. The timing of the solution coming out like in the last several months was so important to the, to the success of um, of these these different networks working together. So yeah, um, so bridges, bridge aggregators, I, I think also there is a trend that's coming that we, we haven't started to uh, benefit from, which is uh, we have what will, what will actually be cross-chain DeFi, where you have a money Lego. I can give a quick example of this. Um, you have a money Lego on one, pro, on one chain that is actually working with uh, some money Lego on another chain. The most obvious one that, that I'm fond of, and, and by the way, I do have uh, stable coins in this, so I'm farming it right now. So if I have any bias in talking about this, um, Orion.money, they use the Anchor protocol, which is consistently paying about 195 to 20%, um, and it's meant to be a, a fixed or stable rate for many years to come. Um, it's been definitely like one of the the... the think most successful uh, DeFi protocols over the last like six months since since they had launched. Um, and so I deposit my stable coins on Ethereum. So that's great. I don't have to like get involved with Terra if, if I don't want to, if I don't want to set up a wallet. Then they swap it with the curve with a curve pool. 
uh, for UST, which is the decentralized, or we'll just throw out whether it's decentralized or not. They, it's the it's a stable coin called UST. They bridge it to Terra, and then they deposit it into Anchor. That all happens under the hood. But all I see is that I deposited uh, USDC or Tether or uh, DAI uh, into the Orion Money pro, uh, application. So that's cool to me. Like that's like whoa. Like here we are, kind of seeing that future of Ethereum uh, likely remains the largest landmass in the space. Um, without, I'm also clearly like disregarding the conversation of like should something be called DeFi if it doesn't meet a certain criteria of being as decentralized as as something else. But anyways, open. Let's just call it open finance. I'm able to sudden to permissionlessly deposit my money into an Ethereum app and I am earning yield actually on another chain. And I, I think that we're like in the very early stages of this and, and that is going to be huge. I mean, you're just, you're going to start to see more people that are able to benefit from uh, yield opportunities across any chain. And, and, um, the reason I think this is important is, you know, like I definitely fall into the camp. Like I'm fortunate enough to continue to transact on Ethereum L1 and pay the higher gas fees. Um, but for friends that are new to the space, I think it's important that they get exposed to L2s early, that it becomes like a standard. And so if if you choose to live on Arbitrum or if you're you live in a part of the world where everyone is using, let's say, Phantom, if if I'm whether I'm using either of these, if I can benefit from cross-chain DeFi, now I'm I'm getting the same yields. I'm benefiting from the same deep liquidity, even if uh, more of that li- liquidity, let's say, resides on uh, on Ethereum. So another example of that is like imagine you want to use Aave or SushiSwap. At this point, their liquidity is fragmented across these different. Uh, uh, L2s and networks. But when we have cross-chain DeFi like truly become a standard in the future, it just means that you have the freedom to be able to transact wherever you want. And, you know, for me personally, I, I am uh, uh, a decentralization maximalist, which leads me back to why I love using Ethereum and why I, te- I tend to keep all, most or all of my money on Ethereum. But I, I have spoken to so many DeFi users who you know, are very passionate about like, why they've used, let's say, Phantom. Um, I, 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 and it's one story that stuck out to me when I was at Zapper. There was a number of users that just reached out. They talked about the fact that they got priced out of Ethereum. These are people that were transacting with only a few hundred dollars and it was just a life-changing opportunity for them to continue to do that. Whether or not Phantom and some of these other EVM-compatible chains survive, uh, once it becomes just as cheap and fast and easy to transact on something like Arbitrum, um, that remains to be seen. But I am not going to, I'm not going to dictate or tell people what they should or shouldn't do with their money. They can they can do their own research. They can learn about the benefits of using, uh, let's say, an Ethereum L2 like Arbitrum versus something like Phantom. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I, I don't want to become the monster that I've seen in the Bitcoin community and uh, be close-minded to new developments and new technology and just allowing people to, uh, yeah, do whatever they want with their money. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, I think I agree. Like L2 adoption is definitely going to be one of the main drivers, especially from the retail standpoint. It would just be nice if, and I think they can do this. I think Coinbase is making it or they have it now to where you can deposit or withdraw directly onto Polygon, or I think that's actually in progress, but I think that'll that'll be huge because that low fee environment, um, obviously they have that on Binance Smart Chain, but if we can get that more over in the Ethereum ecosystem, I, I think that is a more safe, secure way to do it, in my opinion. Uh, but what, you know, let's see, we got about 10 minutes left. So what other projects are you working on? Are you advising? Uh, or just projects that are really catching your eye lately that you want to talk about? Yeah, and by the way, that really well said. A uh, uh, great point you made there about, like, we need on-ramps and off-ramps to L2s from centralized exchanges. So, yeah, that's that's going to be a, a huge win for us. Uh, so, okay, so my, my full-time focus now uh, is uh, I work at Fourth Revolution Capital, short for 4RC, it is just four of us. Um, the name actually has nothing to do with it, but we just happen to have four people on the team. Uh, these were, you know, peers slash friends that I, that I had made over the last few years, co-investing in other projects. And I mean, one of the one of the reasons, like, I'm enjoying it so much is that I I am looking for that next sort of radical bleeding edge of DeFi, NFTs, Web three. I'm looking for where that is because I want to be able to like make, I want to be able to allocate capital and back those, those great founders. I still have a like rising tide lifts all boats sort of mentality with, with this though. Like, and I would say this speaks to the, the ethos of like our team. So, you know, one of the, one of the reasons I was able to join this team is uh, they were very supportive of, me remaining an open resource to the community. So like, I would say if people looked at like what I'm invested in and what 4RC is invested in, they might be confused at times. I'll purposely write tutorials about, uh, you know, protocols that are actually competitors with things that I have money in. I think like a good example is um, I am invested uh, in SEP protocol, uh, but um I think anyone could clearly see I've written a lot of tutorials and I think been like an outside community member of Indexed, PowerPool, PyDAO. Um, and so, I, yeah, I really believe in that sort of like a rising tide lifts all boats here. At the end of the day, like my focus is still primarily Ethereum, but I, I definitely am optimistic that there will be other uh, chains that can contribute to a decentralized future, you know, a future uh, where Web3 actually lives up to these standards that we're hoping it lives up up to. So anyways, that's that's 4RC. So we, anyways, if, you, if, if anyone here is or knows someone building, you know, the next great DeFi Web3 protocol, um, please get in touch with us. It's fourthrevolution.capital. However, <laughs> then to flip that on its head, 
I am very involved in a lot of DAOs and actually 4RC is in, in sort of like seeking that bleeding edge and aiming to be a part of the greater community. We are aggressively looking to invest in DAOs. We think that even like our fund in the future is likely going to have to morph into a DAO or maybe even be absorbed by a DAO. Um, it's really just because we think that the like the legacy system, of course, is broken, um, but we still need to like work hard to like allocate capital to back um, what's going to ensure that Ethereum and Web three like succeed. So um, you know, there's uh, I, I really love uh, so, some of these DAOs. Like I'm not a part of them, but I would say like I try to bring deals to them as often as possible, like Meta Cartel and the Lao. I also, I'm fond of, there's a new one called Parallel DAO that is going to be supporting like a new NFT trading card game called Parallel Life. Uh, Ready Player DAO, I think is really interesting. And, and I'm trying to be, to bring them opportunities now and be supportive of what they're doing to support the play to earn ecosystem. Um, I am an advisor to Zapper still. So I, I got to, uh, something I kind of left out. I worked there for a year, still Love the team at Zapper. They they do just tremendous work for creating like easy, accessible uh, DeFi for anyone to be able to use. I am very involved as an advisor and investor in the Ethereum push notification service, um, which now is looking like a better investment. But in the past, like I like I just I got on board because they are enabling a Web three messaging protocol. So you can basically message between any wallets, which could then obviously compete with something like email or text in the future, but it would, you know, uh, live on Ethereum and other EVM compatible chains and L2s. The most exciting thing, though, about what they're doing is um, I am uh, looking forward to all protocols being able to send push notifications about new farms, governance votes, exploits, when a deposit hits and so on. So right now there's this challenge of trying to keep up with like, where's your money and what, what happens if there's like a token migration and you miss it? The answer is you need to enable in a Web3 manner, you need to be able to uh, allow protocols to message wallet addresses without knowing their name, you know, their email or whatever. Um, so there's there's been that. And, uh, and then I guess lastly, I'm, I'm also an advisor and investor to uh, Aletheia, which are intelligent NFTs, I, I, which by the way, I'm so proud of these, but like, I swear, like when I got on board, I mean, I begged other funds, uh, angels, anyone to like back these teams. EPNS was struggling to raise like $200,000 at the time. And, and now is, you know, poised to be this this major you know web3 messaging protocol they're going live in a few weeks they've partnered with feels like 75 percent of all the big names i can think of on ethereum and they're going to go multi-chain same thing with aletheia aletheia ended up having mark cuban invest in them and some others but like i got on board and they hadn't raised any money and weren't even sure if they were going to be able to so I'm just like I'm so proud of like these teams with great founders and like really radical visions that I was like 
we're either going to ride to zero together or we're going to ride to glory. And I would be proud either way. I would, this, this will be a, an incredible story to tell, even if we fail on, on uh, at this like really radical mission. So anyways, yeah, those, those are a number of projects that, that I'm, I'm very involved with. And then obviously I support all of the projects in the 4RC portfolio. I, I, you know, aim to like help them understand, uh, you know, just how to build a community that's long lasting, like how to, I think, communicate what you do in a really simple manner. And, and, I, and, and I guess I would, I would cap it off here with, I think that where we're trying to invest or where we're trying to back founders is we think that we are going to see this thing called GameFi continue to de- develop where it's basically DeFi is, uh, is powering like the plumbing and infrastructure of, of, a, of a gaming application or community. So, so years ago, like, I think there was just a focus on like, let's build a, a blockchain based game. But now I, I think they can take advantage of all of the, you know, powerful money Legos to help tokens accrue value and help people to be able to coordinate and participate in a community so that's anyways that that's a that's an area i'm just really excited for and i i would say i'm, I'm rather new to i definitely definitely not a gaming expert but i'm uh, i'm i'm slowly learning and trying to uh see where i can add value in that community yeah i feel like the gaming space is just kind of another avenue to gain more adoption right i feel like NFTs brought on a bunch of creators and artists into the space, and I think gaming could bring on a bunch of gamers who currently haven't been in the space. And just the more that we build out these different types of apps and protocols, just the better it's going to be for the ecosystem in general. And, you know, I think right now you can specialize and just say, oh, yeah, I I focus on all Ethereum protocols, uh, and that's kind of my specialty I think there's going to come a point where you have to say, you know, I, I just focus on DeFi or I just focus on blockchain gaming or I just focus on the data economy. I think that's probably uh, in the future here pretty soon, too. But DeFi Dad, looks like we're running up on time here. So I just want to give you the last word and just let people know where can they go to find out more about you and I guess your tutorials. Yeah, so I thanks so much for everyone listening to me ramble. Uh, this was so you, you can find me at uh, if you go on Twitter, it's just DeFi underscore Dad. You can also like learn from tutorials and interviews with founders and investors and builders in the space at DeFiDad.com. That'll just redirect you to my YouTube. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I guess like I, I would just you know reiterate that. Like we went through like obviously a very exciting parabolic growth phase in DeFi. And then I feel like that sort of carried us into like an exciting parabolic phase of um, multi-chain DeFi where other chains were seemingly, I think, benefiting. And I would also say in some cases, just copycatting what was on Ethereum. (laughs) And then we had that lead into a crazy run here with NFTs. But you know, all of this is going to pale in comparison to like where we're headed. So, you know, don't lose sight of the fact that like we are still very early and, uh, you know, until a majority of the world is benefiting, you know, from these protocols, you know, just 
just don't lose sight of that. Like that's that's the end game here is everyone needs to benefit. You know, we all gonna make it type of mentality is, is part of the reason I like love this community and uh, you know we don't want to recreate an alternative finance system that just a very small group of people benefit from. We want yeah we 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 want everyone to sort of uh, win together. So uh, yeah that's that's about it. Just thanks so much for having me and. Um, yeah, just uh, really, really appreciate everything that you guys stand for with the Index Co-op. And I've, of all the communities, like this has remained, you know, one of those steadfast communities that I think does keep that long-term vision in mind. And that's a credit to to uh, all of the, the founding members and, and I think what set, uh, set in motion originally with their own protocol. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate the kind words too, DeFi Dad. And uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and close out. Thanks for everyone in the audience for listening. Thank you again, DeFi Dad, for being here. This is being recorded. And so we will get this uh, mixed with our audio engineer, Nakamomo. And then we will get this out sometime next week. So thanks again, everyone. I hope you have a great rest of your week and have a great weekend. Thanks. Bye, everyone.